0: brand is really a meaning system. It really is a way to communicate to a group of people, a marketplace, these are my values. And this is what I stand for. This is my mission. And so branding has a much deeper kind of impact. And hopefully the smart organizations, services, companies, et cetera, understand that distinction. And they're working very hard to make sure that what they believe they stand for is what the marketplace
1: actually perceives. Welcome to a special edition of The Ripple Effect. I'm Dan Looney. In honor of Juneteenth this month, Senior Advisor to the Dean for the Coalition of Equity and Opportunity, Kenneth Shropshire, will be your special guest host. In each episode this month, Ken and Wharton faculty are focusing on the critical themes of diversity, equity, and inclusion. We'll be covering a diverse range of topics, bringing you the latest insights and knowledge that you could apply to your life and work. So get ready to dive into this special edition of The Ripple Effect with guest host Ken Shropshire. Ken, always great to have you with us. Thanks for a few moments.
2: Thank you, Dan. Happy to be here.
1: So the topic we're talking about today with Americas uh, kind of links us back in to what companies are doing around diversity, equity, inclusion. You're seeing a little bit firsthand as well. Give us your thoughts on how companies are reacting to this issue.
2: Well, you know, part of what we're looking at is is how they reacted initially post-George Floyd, kind of that moment compared to where we are now. And I think that's where we all need to step back and think about our companies still doing what they need to do or what they said they were going to do and evaluate the circumstances as they stand.
1: Well, I will let you two get at it. A pleasure to have on the show, Americus Reed, marketing professor here at the Wharton School. Americus, always great to talk to you, my friend.
0: Great to see you as well, Dan. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank
1: you. Gentlemen, enjoy your time. Thanks, Dan.
2: Americas. I'm, I'm happy to be doing this. One of my longtime friends at at, uh, at Wharton. Thanks for being
0: here, man. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ken. I, you know, as one of my uh, key mentors, always a pleasure to sit down and have a conversation with you because I walk away a little bit smarter. So I'm excited to have that experience as well today. <laughs> see, that's, that's
2: that marketing thing. You know how to, how to, how to, how to sell, sell even in a private conversation. <laughs> But but America, you know, you and I talk about these issues a a lot. I mean, partly as being two of the senior African-American leaders uh, in the school and and on campus as well. And, you know, one of the things that that I want to highlight to folks is that that you are a branding expert and and you are you are not a race branding expert. And so this is a conversation that that talks about what you what you know best branding and as applied to to this topic. What's what's. What's, it, what's the importance of branding for a company overall, just before we get into this?
0: Well, I love that question. Thanks for that, uh, Ken. I think it's important because if you step back, you think about what is what is branding and, and how does it fit into the overall context of the organization? It's huge because in some senses, you know, we think about branding and we're sometimes fooled because we think it's, well, it's a picture, it's a tagline, it's a logo. Uh, and certainly brands have external markers that communicate to the world, this is where we are and how how you can find us. Uh, But if you step back and you think about it a little bit more generally, uh, Ken, a brand is really a meaning system. It really is a way to communicate to a group of people, a marketplace, these are my values and this is what I stand for. This is my mission. And so branding has a much deeper kind of impact. And hopefully the smart organizations, services, companies, et cetera, uh, understand that distinction. And they're working very hard to make sure that what they believe they stand for is what the marketplace actually perceives. Right. So so that gets
2: us into this context, into the the race of the workplace context that that we're talking about in this series. And, you know, post George Floyd, there's just a new study from McKinsey that says the companies have committed to now it's up to three hundred and forty billion dollars which is just an unbelievable number to these issues related to equity and opportunity broadly and 141 billion of that has been committed just in in the past year so you know that there's apparently still a lot of work to be done but how are companies in terms of branding how are they utilizing this this moment
0: and the announcement of these funds what what needs to go hand in hand with that? Yeah, it's a great question, Ken. I think what's really, really important and is an aspect that is sometimes missed is the idea that as we try to communicate a connection to a marketplace and an understanding of how internally we are as an organization changing to become better or to be better citizens, um, what, what needs to be done? And I think the money piece is super important to your point, uh, but what's equally important is the understanding of once we create diversity, once we create inclusion, once we create a kind of composition within the organization, that we're actively trying to manage that in a way that allows that inclusion, that change in the organization to actually be successful. So it's it's a really serious mistake if you just create diversity and you try to walk away and think it's going to happen uh and facilitate if all the efficiencies all of the positive things on its own because you know the organization the individuals in the in the the employees the people they have to understand how to reconnect and reintegrate with new perspectives and sometimes that requires difficult conversations it requires uncomfortable situations because you have a new context that people are expected to thrive as an employee in and you just can't pretend that that's going to happen all on its own. There also has to be some oversight and some purposeful consideration with respect to how to manage that that diversity as well. So I think companies are, are awake to that now and that they understand that it's it's not just only being self-aware, but it's also understanding that we have to work very hard to manage this, this new world that we want to try to see in the vision of our future. So externally, you can get a, a branding bump, I guess you call it, by
2: announcing the money, by announcing programs, but but you're saying there's there's much to be impactful to truly make this work. The work continues once you make that announcement
0: in a way that maybe some companies haven't haven't contemplated. Yeah, I think that's correct. I think I think that the understanding that the work is just starting. It's, it's a great point you just made. W- once you once you start making those important initial efforts to create. Now we have to also understand that's the easy part. The hard part is how do we now manage this appropriately? How do we make this part of the DNA? How do we bring people together in this new world that they haven't been in perhaps before? And how do we make them thrive and be successful in that new setting?
2: Right. So so I guess the question is that, that, that how do you, I mean, any examples you can give or or maybe it is just top down thinking, how do you sustain this so once you announce the money, you announce the program. How do you make that a? I guess it's you know it's, it's certainly certainly from your kind of bailiwick, as we would say. How do you sustain that brand? How how do you what do you need to do to make it last longer than that moment? And this is this is some of your language too, and be
0: genuine and authentic at the same time. Yeah, that's that's the that's the huge part. That's the 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 difficult part. And I think a couple things have to happen, Ken. Uh first you have to you've already alluded to this. You have to have kind of top down full on full committed support to this. This in other words, this ethos has to live and breathe and be incredibly robust in the C suite. And then once that that ethos is is there, there has to be the work that's being done to permeate it through the entire uh, various levels and, and layers of the organization. So it's kind of like it's two parts. It's one part is the authenticity piece comes from those individuals in the C suite making sure that this is a living, breathing thing that happens and is reinforced every single day in every aspect of the daily tasks that have to occur in terms of the organization running efficiently. And a second part of that is everyone within the organization. Uh, being aware of what they need to now do to make that, that vision, that ethos real. And so part of it is to make sure that it's, it's kind of flowing through the organizations from the top down, but also the bottom up and that there's a clear shared collective understanding that this, this approach is something that we all believe in and that we're going to work every day to becoming a successful, you know, in, um, aspect that we want to build as part of our brand if we want to reach that level of authenticity that you were describing earlier. So if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, as I'm sitting in my marketing, marketing
2: classroom today, the external part is, is one thing, but there's really a lot going on internally that makes this important, that makes, makes the branding impactful. You're, you're, you're saying that the, the, a lot of the conversation that needs to be contemplated is not the press release that you send out to the public. It's, it's what you do inside
0: the company that's 100% correct. If if you think about it and I've seen this happen in many different situations Ken, uh, where companies will show up and say, "Here's the new brand." <laughs> and then and then they kind of walk away and they say, "Okay, we we expect everyone to now be empowered to embrace this." And the problem with that Ken is there was no there were no degrees of freedom for people to own it. There were there was no opportunity for people to say, "I collaborate, I'm part of this." And so in those situations where it just shows up it tends to fall flat because there was no groundswell where people felt like they were actually a part of this 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 movement towards this change that we're trying to see happen. And so the smart companies understand before they even do this the press release they're working in the background to make sure that everyone in the organization is understanding that we're going to be a co-collaborative effort here, and we're going to do this together. And there are going to be moments of pivoting, moments of changing, moments of modification, mistakes, missteps. You know, we we understand that this is an evolution, it's a process, but we want to make sure that we bring the company and all of its constituent parts, all of its employees, we want to bring them along with us so that they feel they're a part of this and that they have some psychological ownership in it. So we're, we're talking about this companies that that got on board
2: I think in some way post George Floyd w- what about companies that miss missed the moment I guess that that are looking around and realizing we didn't do this we need to get on board is, is it is it too late what missteps could be made if you do try to jump in and do some work in this in the dei space or in the wealth gap space or should you just continue to lay low What, 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 what advice do you give companies that are, are saying, okay, that maybe if you use the language, maybe they just woke up, (laughs)
0: what
2: what should they do?
0: Yeah. 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 It's a great question. Uh, It's a hard question to answer, Ken, because, you know, one can make a philosophical argument that getting on the ship late uh, (laughs) is better than not getting on at all. One can make that argument for sure. But I think the marketplace, there, there is a kind of settling point where the marketplace will, if you wait too long or if you're perceived as kind of going along because of social pressures or of a herd mentality or whatever, that obviously is going to decrease your ability to, to do it in a in a way that's authentically perceived as something genuine and so on and so forth. So I think, but even those companies just have a decision to make because even if you're going to jump in late, You got to. Here's my rule that I always tell companies. You can't half do this. This is not something where you can sort of say, well, you know, we think it's important, but we don't want to offend some people. So we're going to try to thread this needle and we're going to try to use kind of really safe, ambiguous language. So everyone's happy. And like this, this group's over here. No one gets offended. You can't do it that way. You have to literally say this is something that the C-suite, the company, the ethos, the brand, what we stand for. We believe in this. And we are going to move forward with this and create this, and we're going to stand behind those core values. And I think with this idea of committing fully and living with the consequences of whatever that might mean, because there may be groups of consumers, there may be target markets that feel that they no longer can connect with you because of this type of stance that you're taking. But that's the whole point of purpose marketing. That's the whole point of creating a strong stance on an issue, whether it be social justice, wealth gaps, the other kinds of things that you were mentioning, to explicitly step out there and say, this is what we stand for. This is something you have to do explicitly, directly, clearly, and articulately. So so when we think broadly about this, the
2: branding issue related to DEI issues in the workplace, you know, one of the things that I always come back to, especially being involved in sports so much, is is the idea of what to do when something goes wrong. And, and not, we'll call it external, not like the George Floyd kind of moment, but with your company, for example, the, the senior executive uh, says the N-word, or there's a sexual harassment uh, case that's brought against uh, a high-profile individual in your organization. These are... One-off moments, where these companies may have something like the post-George Floyd activities going on. What is it the company should do when these these moments? And I, I know each one is different. I mean, and I know we have, we have to individualize what happens. But in, in sports, the tradition has been: you say the N word, you're going to be fired the next day, and I'm and, and it's a variety of follow-up kinds of things have happened. What? What's your kind of thinking about this when you see these these crisis moments happen in this in this space where we're concerned about DEI and race in the workplace and companies that want to have the right brand after something occurs? What
0: kinds of steps do you contemplate in terms of, of regrouping
2: when those things occur?
0: Yeah, I think it's a great question, Ken. I think that there's a couple of things that I I believe are really important. And I think the research on this is quite clear. And that's the idea that, you know, first of all, it's interesting because crises around DEI, situations of race, situations where we're trying to create more diverse uh, components within our organizations, they're going to happen. So the idea is, how do we respond to those crises? And I think that's implicit in your point, uh, as you asked that question, Ken. And I think there's a couple of things that are really important. The first thing is that You always have to jump out there in these situations and be quick to validate the concerns of those who are offended. Right. So language that has to do with, well, I'm sorry I offended you, things like that. That's the wrong language. The language is to just come out, own it and say, hey, mea culpa. I made a mistake around this particular issue. Uh, you know, there may be some racial tension going on with respect to how my company fits into a context or, or leaders in my company uh, are engaging around issues around DEI. But you got to come out and own it quickly and validate those concerns of individuals who who may be uh, in, in other constituents who might be offended by that. That's point number one. Point number two is to say, listen, i got to show you an action plan. So I think that's the the, the second step of basically saying, here's what we're going to do in this context of what happened in this particular crisis. We have this four-point plan and here it is. And then lastly, Ken, you you, th- you think about steps one and two that I just mentioned and being very proactive about controlling that narrative and getting out there and talking to people so that they understand your position and your plan moving forward uh, about that particular uh, DEI or race-related crisis that might happen in your organization. So if, if you follow those three steps, you can mitigate uh, the negative potential reaction that could happen. Uh, the worst thing you could do is stay silent uh, and allow maybe your rivals, your 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 arch enemies, to fill that silence. So, you know that that's something that I think about in, with respect to to companies. I'll also just quickly add this, Ken. If you've been doing the work, this is what you said earlier. If you've been doing the diligent, purposeful work around these issues of DEI and race, and your historical footprint is out there, you have a surplus of goodwill in the bank that you can draw upon when these crises happen such that when you go out there now it's not like the marketplace is looking at you like man those evil bastards no they're saying like you know what if i if i if i look at what they've done over the past they have an authentic you know uh connection with these DEI racial racial related issues and so, therefore, I'm going to take that into consideration when I evaluate their response to a particular crisis. But then there's some real genuineness to that's not who we
2: are. And again, as I mentioned, it's so common in sports, and we have to let this person go because they're not part of our our, our ethos. Uh, you know, the the other path that that we're, we're talking about the, in in some of these conversations is the idea of, of what else can you do to, to rehab someone or to get someone in the right frame of mind. And there's a lot of research now from some of our faculty about the idea of diversity training and that sort of thing, which may have a, a good PR value, but it's not necessarily as impactful in terms of having a real impact on people as, as, as some have contemplated. So that's great. I mean, I, I love those three steps. I mean, I, I think that's, that's so much more, and, and something for companies to be able to contemplate in advance, as you say, and this, In this longer kind of planning, if you are really about DEI, if you really are about uh, addressing issues of of race in the workplace, you should have these kinds of plans in place. And I think related to that, the the other question that I wanted to ask you before we begin to close out is what should companies do? And I hate to frame it like this, but I think it it does capture the the question when the next George Floyd moment occurs. Oh, that's a great question, Ken. Yeah, I think that. I mean, I mean it, you know, it is kind of going back to the beginning. <laughs> Should you issue these statements again? Should you say we're going to commit this money again? Is, is that proven to be a good path? I mean, have some companies done, done it right? Or is there some other path that you see that that they might begin to contemplate? And companies, this would cost you a lot of money in, in, in real life for to get this advice from America's,
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, you you ask a, a very challenging question, Ken. I think that, you know, from my perspective, one of the things that, that you had mentioned earlier that I want to unpack just a little bit is the context of what gets done with that money. And, you know, a big part of the efficacy around this, and the research uh, bears this out as well, is the idea that you have to take these efforts and you have to create interventions that the company and the community uh, are co-involved with. So it can't just be let's hire the celebrity to come in and put a, a beautiful, you know, uh, glossed over, you know, training manual. Here's the training manual, you know, Starbucks, let's shut down for a day and do a whole day of training on all the stores. And we'll have Common come in and like, you know, he'll be on the video and we, yeah, that's great. But at the end of the day, you also need, what's going on in the community? Like, what are we doing to, what are we doing to be a part of that conversation, to be a trusted advisor in the community, uh, doing things to to help the community understand Where we are with this issue and how we're helping the actual community, not just through them buying our stuff, but authentically, you know, investing in these communities that would allow the probabilistic likelihood that maybe we can be a part of reducing these types of, of incidences from happening in the first place. So it's it's a really a full like 360 degree approach where yes, we want to do the internal work that gets the PR bump up and gets covered in the media and gets us that earned media. But we also want to be working very I think working very, very closely with the community activists, the, the boots on the ground, if you will, the folks that are that are fighting these issues in the absence of the light of gratitude from any audience and be a part of that effort and that work and putting money into those kinds of areas as well to, again, build it up, not only from top down, but also uh, the employees and the layers, but also the community as well. So I think that, you know, you're not going to stop potentially these types of things from happening, but you always want to be in a proactive mode of investing in the community and being, being a part of that solution such that these types of unfortunate uh, act of incidences don't happen in the first place. I, I think that's the that's the best that you can do and that you have to kind of do that from an authentic uh, and a genuine place, as you just mentioned.
2: America's, I love these insights, the, the idea of being on top of branding before the trouble starts, how to address issues when they do come, uh, how to be on on a high alert that any moment might be a branding moment, and and especially insightful to me was was the idea of it's not just the external message; it's it's what you do internally as well. How how is it that you get your your people on board? Maris
0: Reed, thank you very much. Thank you, I really appreciate the opportunity. Always great to talk with you, Kim.
1: Well, this was a lot of fun for me to sit back and listen to two of my favorite people at Wharton uh, discuss this topic. So. Thank you to both of you guys for, for doing this today. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, Enjoyed. it. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to The Ripple Effect. We hope you found this episode informative and engaging. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review so that we can continue to bring you the best insight from the Wharton School.